You're going to see up here some words in just a moment from a poem by Mary Oliver called The Summer Day. Now, this will be the fifth year, the fifth of five Sundays before Thanksgiving that we've had here at Wellsprings that we have done this service. This gives us an opportunity to hear from wisdom across the ages here at Wellsprings. This year at the 930 service, we're going to hear from three different ages, first decade, 30th, and 50th, and then hear from three more decades at the 11. I want to read you that poem right now, The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do? with your one wild and precious life. Mario. Hi, my name is Mary Ciccinelli and I'm eight years old. I have a twin brother named Robbie and an older sister named Lexi. I also have a dog named Lola. As you might know, I'm here to talk about my wild and precious life. This is my first time talking about my wild and precious life. I had kind of a hard time when I was younger because Robbie's a really good athlete, especially at soccer. I also play soccer, but not as well as Robbie. I tried some other things, karate, hockey, baseball, but I couldn't find something that I really liked, that I was really good at. Then came the second grade play last year. West Bradford Elementary has a second grade play every year, and every second grader is in it. Well, guess what? I got a lead role. The play was called Zoltron. I played a space knot. The play took place on five different planets, and the space knots went to all of them. So we were in every act. Most kids had two or three lines, but I had 42. I also had to learn every song. The Space Knots had to stay after school a lot of days for for extra rehearsals. And I practiced my lines and songs a lot at home with my family. It was a lot of work, but I actually liked it, and I was good at it. After that, I found other things I liked that I was good at. I like hip-hop dancing, so my mom signed me up for hip-hop class. I like cooking, and I may be a chef. I love their hats. Also I like also I like being in the place so much I actually wrote my own play and now I'm working on another one. My life is wild and precious to me because I get to do a lot of fun stuff. I love going to school and learning, playing with my friends and playing video games. So what will I do with my one wild and precious life? Maybe I'll be a hip hop dancer or a chef or a playwright or design video games. Maybe I'll fourth. I don't know yet. I'm only eight, but I'm looking forward to finding out. Good morning. Uh, My name is Tony Scullion, and I represent the 30s. Uh, A good many of you here this morning already know that I don't see very well. However, you may not know that earlier this year, 
I was officially declared legally blind and that I was put on Social Security as a result of that diagnosis. When I was having my Social Security hearing, um, I had to have an assessment done by an occupational therapist. After reviewing my information, she told the judge that I would be worthless to any potential employer and that it would be useless to train me. While I should have just looked at this as a professionally rendered opinion, I didn't. I took it personal, which makes no sense because the therapist hadn't actually met me. But instead, I allowed those words to burrow in and take root. This past summer, I didn't try anything new. I became so paralyzed with the fear of living out that assessment that I simply stopped trying. And it was working for me until Ken called and asked me to serve on the intern ministerial team with Greg Pillay. I gave it some thought and decided it was something I couldn't do. I told myself that I had looked for an invitation from every possible angle and reached the only conclusion that there was, but that wasn't true. I overlooked one really big fact. Ken, possibly more than anyone other than my husband, already knows about my vision problems. He already knows that I'm not 100% most of the time and that things have not been easiest of late. But he still saw me as someone with something to offer. In my thinking, not once did I consider that. Yes, I am sick, and I can finally admit that most days. If I can't be sick in the community of Wellsprings, where there is love, friendship, and support, then where can I be sick? He wasn't asking me to guarantee to come to every meeting we have perfect and whole. He simply asked me to share what I had learned and I'm still learning, and to make space for someone else. So much of my identity was made up of what I did that when I was confronted with the fact that I could no longer work, I was lost and confused. I needed to learn that as my disease changed, I needed to as well. I had to understand that the God-shaped holes that I have been trying to fill since walking through those doors in the back had changed. But I hadn't recognized that. I was still stuck in what was instead of living in what is. But that state of flux is not something new, and the fear that a major change like that inspires is numbing. In fact, we all find ourselves moving through it at some point. We have to get a new job or we get older. We find that we might not be able to do the things we could before. In my case, I'm losing my vision. So what that ultimately means when you boil it down is that I'm no different than any of you. We all suffer and struggle. On a good day, I'll remember that. On a bad day, probably not. But that's okay, because I'm not supposed to have all the answers. My lessons are not all supposed to be learned, and that's frustrating, but it's also what keeps me coming back week after week and small group after small group. I want to learn how to be present in my life. So what is it that makes this life so wild and precious to me? It's the process of discovery and growth that comes with each new milestone. It's learning how to live within the ever-changing spectrum of my life. There's a song by Kate Havinet called Grace. It's a particular favorite of mine when I need some perspective. It's about loss 
and learning how to move on. She sings, come what may, I won't fade away, but I know I might change. Nothing comes easily, fill this empty space. Nothing is like it was, turn my grief to grace. I know I've got more bumps ahead in the road I'm traveling. I'll get lost along the way, and that's to be expected. But I'm not worried, because I have something much better than a GPS. I have my faith, my family, and my friends. And in the end, they will always get me to where I need to be. My name is Mick McAndrews, and what a privilege it is for me to be here this morning to talk about those of us in our 50s. And oddly enough, most of us were born somewhere during the 1950s. I won't tell you exactly when I was born, but I'll give you a clue. The year I was born, the Academy Award for Best Picture went to From Here to Eternity, starring Burt Lancaster, Montgomery Clift, Deborah Carr, Donna Reed, Frank Sinatra, and Ernest Borgnine. That sounds old. First of all, I'd like to say congratulations to Mario and Tony. You are a very hard act to follow. Congratulations on doing a great, great job this morning. Thank you very much. Um, but just in case, Mario, you and Robbie think that perhaps Mr. Mick wasn't a kid himself one day, I'd like to show you an image that would prove that. If you'd flip, please. <laughs> and quite the fashion plate I was, wouldn't you agree? Very impressive. I also had a very, very solid religious foundation when I was a kid. If you'd flip the slide again. Again, what a fashion plate. <laughs> Way ahead of my time. And I've also always been, at least in my opinion, a trendsetter. So if you flip the slide one more time. If you think that Pee Wee Herman was original, there's no way. <laughs> Pretty impressive, eh? So what does it mean for me to be in my 50s? To have spent my wonder years during the 1960s and really my early adulthood during the 1970s. It means that some of my earliest memories are things like the inauguration of John F. Kennedy as president. It means I remember very distinctly his assassination and the events that followed, the assassination of his brother, Robert Kennedy, and of Martin Luther King. It means that I remember watching live on television Neil Armstrong take his first steps on the moon. And I remember living through the trauma of the Vietnam War, and I do remember that my draft, military draft lottery number was 186, which meant I was not going to be asked to serve in Vietnam. Culturally, I remember on Sunday nights that every family watched Ed Sullivan. And I remember being wrapped in front of the TV if the special guest that Sunday would be the Beatles, along with many others. Classic TV sitcoms like the, Hill, the Beverly Hillbillies and the Addams Family and the Munsters and Andy and Mayberry and cartoons like the Flintstones and the Jetsons. The six o'clock news, which was anchored by Walter Cronkite, really, every night. And as we like to say, every woman went to bed with Johnny Carson at night <laughs> when Johnny Carson was The Tonight Show. And for the inception and the early years of Saturday Night Live, the classic years still to this day, Movies, I saw Easy Rider in the theater, the Woodstock documentary. 
I learned what all those people in my neighborhood who seemed to have more than the rest of us and whose fathers never went to work but always drove Cadillacs and had big gauche pools and landscaping in the backyard when I saw The Godfather <laughs> and the redefinition of special effects in movies with Star Wars, which, if I'm not mistaken, was the first movie date that I and my then-girlfriend, Becky Bale, went to see together. Classic rock. I turned to the band. 1971, The Who, or The Who's Next Tour. 1973, Pink Floyd, right here at the Spectrum for the Dark Side of the Moon Tour. Don't know if I've ever been the same since. <laughs> 1974, The Rolling Stones at Madison Square Garden in the fourth row. And Kelly, would I be remiss, my son Kelly in the back there, if I didn't mention 1996 and ACDC at the Meadowlands in the sixth row. Still trying to regain my hearing. And that just scratches the surface of, of what was a part of my growing up. Thank you for indulging me for this brief walk down memory lane. But what I really want to share is that by this point in my life, I think I've experienced the roller coaster that really is life. I'm absolutely blessed in so many ways. I was raised in a loving and supportive family. I married the girl of my dreams, and we'll celebrate 33 years of married life together this coming Friday. We have two wonderful children who really have been the blessing in our lives. We have a daughter-in-law who we love as one of our own, and we have a granddaughter who truly is everything to us. And they just happened to be here this morning, if you get a chance. As my friend Jim Riley said, she knows how to work the room. And yes, she does. But to quote Robert Fulgham, life is lumpy. Um, I experienced the passing of a grandparent when I was just a child, the only grandparent I ever knew, and I realized at an early age that people, especially the people you love, don't live forever. My father passed away when I was in my early 20s, and I learned firsthand what it means to really become a man and an adult, and I walked with my mom through the tragic and painful passing of her firstborn child and my brother. And more recently, Becky and I held hands through the passing of her beloved dad. There's an undeniable reality to my own mortality. I'm no longer approaching in or even just slightly past midlife. I'm way past. And when did that happen? The time really just slipped away. And I get the sense that it's a pretty slippery slope from here. So what am I going to do? with the remainder of my wild and precious life? I think the answer is simple. I'm going to let my light shine as brightly as it can. I'm going to give away the love that I have freely to everyone that I come into contact with. And I have a great role model in my own mom, who I refer to as the supernova of love. To make it just a little bit of amateur astronomy. Um, when stars die, and they do, after billions and billions of years of burning, they do one of three things. They either collapse under the weight of their own gravity, and they stop burning at all, and they are 
so heavy and create such gravitational force that they pull in everything around them, including light. And we've come to recognize or realize that what they are is black holes. Another way that stars die is they nova. And to nova is to burn more brightly and intensely than they ever did before, before they effectively burn out. But for me, it's the supernova that holds particular appeal. That's when a star basically burns so brightly in the last years of its life that it explodes and creates more mass, more matter in the universe. And you may have seen images through the wonder of the Hubble Space Telescope of what that actually looks like. And they, became the, they become the birthplace of new stars. So I intend to take nothing with me. And I don't mean money or possessions. I mean the love that I have to give. I will give it all away in the time that I have remaining so that those stars around me burn more brightly and longer than mine ever will. And may it be so. Thank you very much. Let's take a moment to pray together. Pray with me if you would. God, we open space right now in our hearts to simply sit with and savor what we have beheld. That wisdom knows all ages and is native to every part of our lives. May we listen to the wisdom that we have heard. Listen to the lives that have been shared with us. And then take a moment to turn inward. To take the inspiration that has been cast out here today like seeds onto the ground, asking ourselves truly this question just as we have seen presented, shared with us, the living embodiment of the answer to this question. What will we do with our one wild and precious life? May each of us burn brightly and boldly. Even if we believe our light is a small thing, still let us share it. May all of our paths be illuminated here today by joy, by suffering, by struggle, by love. And by the collective blessing that is visited upon all of us. This collective blessing to be in community together. May ours be a true life. And not just day. A life of thanksgiving. Amen.